Hello and welcome to another episode of Base News Network. My name is Sophie, aka Joan of Arc on Instagram. This is Kayo, also known as Punk Revolution Now, and I have an incredible, incredible guest today, um, Molly McGlynn. Uh, she is the writer, director, executive producer of her new film, Fitting In, uh, starring Maddie Ziegler. It's out February 2nd. Um, yeah, um, thank you so much, Molly, for coming on. Thank you. I'm finally chatting with you. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Yes, yes. Um, viewers will soon learn why. Um, but uh, yeah, um, this is a huge honor for me. Um, Kai and I both saw the film and loved it. Um, it's really great. So before we like dive into some questions about the film and your process, could you tell us a little bit about yourself um, your career and what the film is about, just briefly. Sure. Um, so, hmm. I was born to a big Irish Catholic family in Montreal. Uh, I'm the youngest of five girls, so a lot of, a lot of uh, feminine energy in my house. Um, then we Love moved it. to New Jersey when I was little. I grew up in New Jersey, and then I went back to Canada. Went to university. Uh, studied film and art history there and started my career in Toronto. Um, I made my first short in 2012, 2013. So, you know, even though I majored in film, it took me a while to get the confidence to actually become a filmmaker. I was more comfortable writing papers on like representations of femininity in Bollywood 1970s cinema, you know, but it was- Oh, I love Bollywood 1970s cinema. <laughs> me too, <laughs> that could be another that could be another uh, episode, but um, yeah, it took me a while to get the confidence to start making my own films, but made a bunch of shorts. And then I made a feature called Mary Goes Round that premiered at the Toronto Film Festival in 2017 and started directing television and moved to LA five years ago and have continued to direct uh, a bunch of television. And yeah, fitting in is my second feature film used to be called bloody hell um i remember that and, yes yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that real and, ones uh, no <laughs> real kidding. ones no the origin story um but it's a very personal story it's loosely based on my own experience with mrkh syndrome uh which is a congenital condition meaning it's uh from birth that affects the reproductive system so in my case uh I found out when I was about 16 that uh, I'll never get my period because I don't have a uterus, the cervix, and my vaginal canal was underdeveloped. So this uh, diagnosis really threw a nuclear bomb on what is already a really difficult time in someone's life. Um, and the film focuses on the protagonist, Lindy, played by Maddie Ziegler and her experience with this, but... Um, it also has a lot to do with her relationship with her mother, played by Emily Hampshire from Schitt's Creek. And um, that that's loosely based on my relationship with my mom as well. Um, my mom passed away from breast cancer when I was 21, but she was first diagnosed mm. when I was a teenager. So it was a few years before this diagnosis. So, you know, from a very formative age, when I was becoming a woman, I saw my mom go through this and it was like, a female body was a bomb waiting to go off. And then my own diagnosis happened. So 
you know, the film focuses a lot on the mother-daughter dynamic when the mother is also dealing with uh, the her own bodily limitations and threat that her body poses and how those bounce off of each other. So um, I'm calling it, uh, you know, it's a traumedy. It's <laughs> obviously there's dramatic uh, themes, but I wanted to use humor and levity to make sure that people felt pulled into this story, especially if they wouldn't necessarily seek that out. Um, I didn't want people to feel like it was a trauma porn or they were going to be hit over the head with, you know, sort of identity politics. I wanted to root it in um, authenticity and to show joy as well, because at the end of the day, um, bodies are bodies and some do this, some do that. And, uh, you know, now I can say much older and with some perspective, my body has, you know, had a lot of limitations, but at the same time, I'm very grateful to have a healthy one. Um, and that's a privilege that I have, and I'm really aware of. All right. Yes. That's wonderful to, to hear you talk about this because, um, I've never really talked about this publicly, publicly, but I also have MRK syndrome. Um, I have type two, I believe, which is the one where you have other like bodily absence issues. I don't know. I'm missing one of my kidneys. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't get it great, but <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah. So I have MRK syndrome. It's something I haven't really talked about that much because it's obviously, you know, an intimate thing. And, um, I know it's like scary to talk about sometimes, but, um, I'm hoping everyone watching, um, and listening will, um, learn a lot about it. And, um, I'm hoping like someone listening also has it and they can relate to this because, Obviously, you know, when I was younger, when I was diagnosed with this, um, there is literally nothing um, beyond like, like a Facebook group, which I loved. It was great. But um, uh, I'm, as far as I know, I've never met anyone with it. Um, there aren't a lot of like, if you look up and there's a scene in the film I love, where you look up with celebrities <laughs> with Emma Cage and of course, it, <laughs> of course, it's the survivor girl. We, we all know her. And then... Um, uh, Jacqueline, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, that's so true, so real for me as well. But, um, yeah. So, um, I was diagnosed. First of all, I just, I way. just want wanted to say, Sophie, it's uh, such like an honor and privilege. Thank you for you to share that with me, and Thank I you. really understand how deeply scary it can be to share this publicly. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you had asked me 10 years ago, if I could imagine talking about my body publicly over and over again, it would be my worst nightmare. And yes. now I'm sort of in this living nightmare that I have created. Um, but at the same time, it's no longer a nightmare because the second you share something, you're freed from it in a lot of way, ways. Yeah. And I know for me, and I, I'm not sure if you have felt this, but there's a lot of shame with this. But the thing is, is that shame doesn't really work in the light of day. So right. Um, I'm really proud of you for sharing that because Thank it's a really so big deal. Much. Thank you. It's an honor to be speaking with someone with MRKH. I've never met anyone with MRKH. And um, 
there's like literally no one I could really talk to talk about it to. So this is really surreal for me. Um, yeah, I remember when Sophie found out that this movie was coming out, it was like mind blowing. It was like Sophie was so excited. And the fact that it was gonna star like Maddie Ziegler, I think we were oh yeah. I think Sophie and I were in the midst of like a, a little bit of a a dance mom's a dance phase. Mom's yeah. So <laughs> it was just like the stars aligning. Yeah, yeah, I know. Could not believe it. I'm so glad yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, I think um you know, I actually never watched Dance Moms, but I've seen uh, clips of it and whatnot. But, um, you know, to have someone like Maddie with such an enormous public platform is so huge for this. And, you know, so many younger people see her um, publicly and follow her on social media. And, you know, I will say that for Maddie to take on this role, which is not an easy role to do in general, Second to that, it's the first time MRKH has been depicted in film or TV in a significant way, as far as I know. So that that's a lot for her to carry. And yeah. I'm just, I'm so proud of her. And she's, um, she's a badass. Like, you know, you have a perception of someone online, but she's, she's brave. And um, I'm just really proud of her. Yeah. I mean, obviously don't know her personally, but I'm a big fan and she, at least on the show, it seems like she is such a hard worker and is uh, really an incredible actress um, mm -hmm. as well. And I think that came across in the film for sure. Like, I mean, I'm sure you've talked to people, other people maybe who also have reproductive issues and they say like, okay, it was literally like looking at a mirror and like, or like looking if someone like had filmed my teenage years and just watching it over. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And she did a great job. Like I, you know, I have brown hair, so that was enough for me to relate to. Yeah, her. yeah, no, yeah. But... She had her. She's in her brown brown hair. Yeah, it's, um... that's right. Um, I was diagnosed in a very similar way to her. Um, obviously, I dealt with the "Am I a woman or not?" crazy yeah. thing. Um, I also felt like I needed to fix this as soon as possible. Yeah. Um. And I, you know, I, I don't want to spoil the film, but like, obviously you get into that kind of um, dilemma or mindset um, that, you know, we both probably deal with, dealt with, um, with being diagnosed with this. Um, also, it was crazy too, because um, around the same time I was diagnosed, my mom also had breast cancer and um, what? <laughs> yes. And she, she's also going through it right now. She just had a mastectomy. Um, so <laughs> very Whoa. similar story <laughs> a little spooky bit. similarities um, yeah but I'm, both I'm, you know oh sorry I'm just I was just saying I'm I'm sorry your your mom's going through that it's okay thank you I really appreciate it um but I mean it just it goes to show like they're very different things but they both deal with you know femininity and like symbols of I think women like a lot of women not just women but a lot of women think about, you know, their breasts and, you know, their um, like reproductive system yeah. as like key elements of their femininity and losing that or having that changed in any way is really traumatic. Um, so I thought I liked the parallels there. And I, again, I kind of went through that in my own life at that time. So that was really, really crazy to see that. Um, so yeah, but yeah. Um, 
that's I have a good a... way of putting it, like the the symbols of femininity, because, um, you know, just like across gender, like there are ideals for what female bodies look like and do. There's ideals for what male bodies look like and do. And then there's the whole spectrum in between that. So it's like, I, I think even though this is a very specific um, narrative, it's universal in the sense that like, I think no matter who you are at some point, you feel like your body isn't good enough or it's failing you, or it's not like what you've been told it should be like from the media or your peer group or whatever. So if you have had a body and you have felt like it or you wasn't good enough at some point, I feel like you will have an entry point to watching this. Yeah, definitely. Um, So you describe this film as your own emotional horror story without the blood, which is like the perfect way of explaining it. I wish I had thought of that myself, but um, could you expand on what you mean by that to um, the people listening? Yeah, uh, the emotional horror story. It's, um, yeah, it's it's precisely that. And again, because this diagnosis typically happens um, around the age that, um, you know, you would get your period, it, you're, I mean, Look, if you were 15, 16 and were confident and fully securing yourself, uh, kudos to you. I was not that. So <laughs> prior <Yeah>. to that, <laughs> like it's already so awkward. And having this diagnosis is your worst nightmare because specifically all you want to do as a teenager is fit in and blend into the wallpaper and hope that no one spots your difference in any way. Um, and this is like, well, no, you are extremely different. Your mm -hmm. journey to, you know, sexuality in a lot of ways is not going to be like the teen losing their virginity story uh, in a every lot more painful movie. Yeah. <laughs> a you, lot more painful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, you will never carry a child. It's like, first of all, how does a teenager even wrap their head around that? Like, I, you don't even know if you want to be a mother, but th at the same time, the loss is the loss of a choice because even right. if you have MRKH and adamantly never wanted to carry a child or be a mother, your bodily autonomy has been taken away before you could decide anything. And that's a real loss. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. One of, one of the most impactful scenes for me as someone who doesn't have MRKH it was just the diagnosis scene where Lindy like finds out all of this um and what I loved about that well was it was it felt just so terrifying for me as of like looking from the outside in because I I you know Sophie has told me about how scary her experience with the diagnosis is with like the MRI scans and all this kind of mystery you know with this condition that's pretty rare not that common and like no one knows and, what it is <laughs> the doctors don't even yeah. full, you know some some yeah. of the doctors might have never had a patient with it or don't even understand and you know the this you could just and you know maddie i think did a great job with the acting you could just feel the anxiety and that was it's already was a you know a kind of a a, a sad and intense story for me just knowing this was something that sophie had went through but i feel like this scene did a great job of like really because you know 
for me as a as a an adult man going to the doctors you know that's already scary yeah. you know and then <laughs> for a 16 year old to go through it that's that that's just you know really it was really you know intense yeah I was 15 when I was diagnosed didn't get my period classic story with this um and something that I was really struck by um the horror of like being in a room full of male gynecologists at like a tender age and being touched intimately for the first time like that it was horrifying and then mm -hmm. being prescribed with what are essentially like medical dildos <laughs> is mm -hmm. also really just what like I was like on the swim team and like watching anime like I don't know like, <laughs> like yeah. I, I feel like I quickly be I simultaneously became like a sexual person but also like I noticed I was like hyper aware of the absence of the sexuality that like you're quote supposed to have um so yeah. but yeah just being touched in that way by anyone but by men was really scary I also had like students observing me like that <laughs> oh great yeah like as a freak or something I mean maybe it's good that the people are learning about it I, that's good I guess but um yeah like she's kind of dissociates in that scene and I totally totally relate to that it was um I, I feel yeah. like we had a lot of like elements of that horror and body horror too motifs of the classic references to horror throughout it's really cool yeah visually I um yeah it was very intentional to have a few uh nods to the horror genre there um but yeah I will say for people who don't know like the there's a period of testing to figure out what this is and I'm hoping it's becoming more known so that it isn't so traumatic but like you know picture like up until this point I was going to a pediatrician in a New Jersey basement with like clown pictures right. of his wall, you know right yes, and then yes. All, all of a sudden <laughs> you're a gynecologist you're getting an MRI you're getting uh an ultrasound where the technician is going over where your uterus should be over and over with a concerned look on her face and they're like yet. where I don't see it yeah and <laughs> then you have a pelvic exam that can be quite painful um you know you have potentially people observing you like a specimen um, which makes you feel like a freak. Um, yeah. But so like, again, there's varying uh, degrees of MRKH, but if your vaginal canal is affected, there can be kind of no depth, there can be some depth, you know, there's, there's a whole spectrum of what it can be. But um, in my experience, it was like, oh, here's a box of medical dildos. <laughs> um, use them every day for half yeah. an hour. And then my doctor literally said, unless you get a boyfriend, that it, then you don't have to use them as much because the experience of using yeah. dilators <laughs> is so awful. There is nothing like arousing or sexual about it in my experience. And then it's like, oh, how can I actually use people with penises as a mode of dilating like it's yeah it's it's, it's scary it's really disturbing yeah, yeah like your your first experiences with sexuality are 
um, mechanical and not based out of a desire to be with someone in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that can be really devastating and, you know, has taken me years to sort of reverse engineer away from that. Yeah, mentally and physically extremely painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like there are times where I was going like so hard at it. It's like, I gotta be normal, gotta be normal. And then there are times where like, I can't make myself do it. It hurts too bad. Um, so my process was all jumbled all the time. But, um, but yeah, I do- and I, I had a similar thing said to me about a, a boyfriend as well. So <laughs> yeah, I, I do like the other movie does though, you know, have and kind of what you said like a good amount of humor and yeah, you know that's like where's the comedy and all this no like, there is, how there would is you comedy. as a viewer explain and there's how joy. this is funny well <laughs> yeah i mean you know i think it's also important for people why either they're watching this interview or maybe they're watching the movie and they're going to get it from watching the movie as well is that this is a condition that is something that you can overcome and be really just like have a great, awesome, amazing life. Um, and it's not, it's not anything that's going to stop you from, from feeling, you know, having, having a fulfilling, fulfilling life. And that the, you get that from the movie. I know, you know, Sophie feels like, you know, to a, I know it's still a, 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 a really challenging condition to have, but you know, my, my perspective is, you know, Sophie's, you know, is doing great in her life. Our relationship's great. Everything's good, you know? So it, it is, it is something yeah. that it, it's not a death sentence at all. It's, it's, no, that's it's exactly it. Feels like can, it, but <laughs> at first. And you can be loved like entirely. And it's like, you know, I just, I just met you both, but there's so much love between <laughs> oh, you two. I'm lucky you. to have someone who knows about all of this and loves and accepts all of it. So, That's, yeah. you know, it it is of course possible. It's just that again, at that age of the diagnosis, everything is so exaggerated and heightened. Yeah. Um, so it feels like the end of the world, but like, truly, I thought no one would not. ever love me. Yeah, oh, for sure. Me yeah. too. Or like if they liked me and they found out or they found out that like I can't have children and like, I mean, I can, but I can't carry a child. So yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was a hard time. I also like um, how you explored like the idea of a period as being like a important social bonding practice among women that we're kind of like robbed of. And I know that sounds whenever I tell people about this, they're like, oh, you're going to have to have your period. That's great. That's lovely. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You know, it probably would. I'm sure it's awful. And I, I know it's awful because I, the, I have many of my women in my life who go through this, obviously, but um, it alienates you if you don't experience it. It's kind of like a collective commiserating social practice that we kind of don't experience in the same way. And I definitely like, still carry tampons around just to give them out pretend like yeah, exactly. you know I used to pretend I had my period too and I'd be like oh I forgot my tampon <laughs> yes like, and like you're ice so you're isolated from your own body because you're walking around living in it and then one day a doctor tells you the body you know is not what you thought so you're trying to grapple with that so you feel like an alien in your own body then exactly what you just said there's this social bonding 
experience that you feel like an interloper or a fraud. So you don't quite fully belong with people talking about their periods and their cramps and all of that. It can that. be hard to fake too when you don't go through it. So you're like, I think this <laughs> you're is like, what, what happens. happens. I think I, I still don't know. Sometimes I ask my like other friends who get periods like, does this, what does this mean? Like, I don't, I still don't know, like, if I have like PMS or, or like a, like the hormone, I like, I, I have ovaries and like I ovulate. Yeah, so like, um, I think I go through some sort of hormonal cycle, but I don't know. Cause I don't have the blood as a marker of that. Um, so, so I feel like my emotions are just crazy and I don't know what, what the cause is, if it's my mental illness or my, or my, um, <laughs> Welcome like to my months. life. Yes. I feel like I I definitely think I go through PMS symptoms, but as you said, like you can't like I'm like, damn, like I just want to be like I'm PM messy and this is why I'm being a yeah. bitch. But it's like, yeah. oh yeah, or is this just my anxiety or right. depression or whatever? Right. Um oh. I Sorry, that, that just reminds me of another thing in this movie. So there are so many moments in this movie where Sophie was like, that's literally me. That's literally me. That literally <laughs> happened to me. And another moment relating to this that was like, OMG, was um, the part where when Lindy was like, someone, someone like used the term like, oh, you're so OCD or something like that. <laughs> and Lindy was like, that's not what OCD is. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I have OCD. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God, this is literally me. Yeah, that was so funny. Yeah. You know, what's it. so funny is that in an earlier draft of the script, uh, there was a line, like, saying, you know, that's so OCD or what whatnot. And the person who gave me notes said to me, that's not what OCD is. And I was like, that's oh. a great note. And I'm like, they're absolutely right. But then it's funny in the past few years, I have developed some OCD symptoms. And I was Yay. like, oh, it's not what I thought at all. So it's <laughs> a learning lesson for me. So I, I'm, you know, I, I don't always get things right. Um, but I try to, you know, be teachable. And um, I love that story. That, I love yeah, that's that. all I can ask from people who watch this too. It's just like, keep an open mind and I don't know, just at the end of the day, people can do whatever they want as long as it's not hurting anybody else. And like, I just want people to know also, and is the main message of the film is that your body is in a problem to be fixed. And if you are listening to this and you're newly diagnosed and the doctor is suggesting dilators or surgery or X, Y, and Z, there is an option to do it, sure but you don't have to do anything. You can say, Hmm, this is a lot of information right now. And I need to like, take a beat before I do any of this. You don't ever have to do any of this. And like, yeah, I'll, further to that is I think something that doctors are perhaps missing out on, or they did with me is that like, there are mechanics of your body and then there is sexual pleasure and Having MRKH does not mean you are not capable of sexual pleasure. Right. Um, right. I think some of the psychological turmoil can maybe affect some of your experiences with pleasure, but like, I just really mm -hmm. want people to know that like, you are still more than capable of having a healthy sexual life. Yeah, that I wish I 
understood that when I was younger, but now I do. <laughs> and, that's, but... and that's like, even without MRKH, like so much, especially in the US of sexual education is just like, don't get STIs, don't get pregnant, don't do this. And it's all puritanical versus like, talk to people about pleasure and consent. Like consent is a huge one. And something I learned doing a Q&A with um, this amazing doctor and gynecologist who said consent is an ongoing thing. You can give consent in a sexual or medical context and at any point revoke it. And I was on stage during the Toronto Film Festival and I was like, wow, that is such a great thing to know. And I wish that was something that every single teenager knew. I don't care what your gender or orientation is. You can agree to do something and then halfway through, you're not into it. You should be able to say, I've changed my mind. And the other person is like, no problem. Definitely. Yeah, that is really important. Um, wish I knew that when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. And at the doctor, like if you're in the middle of a pelvic exam one day, again, regardless of what the pelvic exam is for, if for whatever reason it is just not working for you, you can say, you know what, I'm going to reschedule this appointment. End of story. And a doctor should just respect that. So doctors aren't gods. They are people and they need to respect your boundaries. I totally agree. I've definitely dealt with like a lot of, um, I hate to say it like disrespect, um, mm -hmm. like being in, in situations where I'm at a doctor or with nurses and I, I really respect doctors and nurses and everything like that. I respect it, but, um, it's always like, you know, when you're at the, the nurse is kind of like checking you in and they're like, okay, when is your last period? It's like, I don't get my period. I don't have a uterus. Uh, blah, here's why, blah, blah. It's in my chart. It's in my chart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't have a kid. I'm missing a kidney. It's in my chart. And they're like, really? What? Oh my God. Like, what? Like, they, 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 they treat like, you Google like it. a freak. They treat you like a freak sometimes. And they're like, oh my God. Like, like they ask questions that like, they kind of like break the professionalism and then start like asking kind of like, inappropriate questions um it's fine it's just like I hate having to explain myself every time I go to the doctor um you or... know what I started like so I had acupuncture with a new person a few months ago and mm. he's a great acupuncturist but like kind of like alpha male vibes like <laughs> whatever but you know with the intake I was like oh here we go with explaining this you know medical history and I said, um, I have something called MRKH syndrome. I was born without a uterus and without missing a beat, this guy just goes, well, I was born without a kidney. So, and then move <laughs> to the next question. And I was like, what a goddamn delight for <laughs> this guy to write it down and then just move on. And I'm like, sure, yeah. maybe he Googled it you know, when I left or whatever, but like, that's fine. Such, but such like a relief for him to not be like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, tell me more about that. It's like, mm -hmm. I've had a nurse at an intake thing. Uh, I, I told her the situation and she goes, I said, I don't have a uterus. And she says, well, how do you get your period? And I was like, well, I don't the period happens when a uterine lining sheds on a cyclical basis, you know? And I'm like, 
you guys like you guys went of... to school for this right like I, I don't know I understand it's a, a relatively rare thing but um it's really frustrating I I think I had a doctor who told me like I should get a uterine transplant because they're really cheap and I'm like no they're not <laughs> what do you mean like they're like I'm like really like yeah 3d printed kidney 3d printed 3d printed uterus I'm like what I don't think we're at that point yet guys like I maybe maybe some experimental I know like uterine transplants have happened but that's not like a routine procedure I don't no in, like, it's an enormous yeah. surgery that is you have to consider your well-being and your tolerance for risk and like again incredible that this is happening more frequently and mm -hmm. again I believe in bodily autonomy if that's important yeah. to you to get a uterine transplant more power to you. For me right. personally, it's not, but me you too. can't just say someone should get an organ uh, transplants. Like, I'm so I sorry know. they said that too. That's wild. No, it's okay. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. Anytime I tell people like I'm missing two of my organs, I'm like, they're like, what? How are you alive? <laughs> it's so funny. But yeah. yeah. Kaya, you had some questions, I think, about um, the cast and the crew. Um, yeah that's something super cool too yeah it's just you know looking at the cast and crew it's like a really awesome awesome team um like you know obviously maddie ziegler we saw like janelle monet who's uh an executive producer emily hampshire so i'm just kind of curious like what was it like working with the team and maybe what was like some of your your favorite parts of putting the movie together um yeah the cast is incredible um so Maddie is the lead. Um, Julieta Mara is an incredible actress. I met on an Apple show called The Big Door Prize. She plays her best friend. And that character on the page had to have it, a sort of it girl, cool, swagger, idealized best friend. And I'm like, Maddie had been cast. So it's like, it, <laughs> who, who can I buy to sort of intimidate someone like Maddie as a teenager. And when I mm. was working with Juliet, I'm like, oh, it's her. Um, Defera Wunatai, an incredible indigenous actor who is in an incredible FX show called Reservation Dogs. He plays the love oh, interest. Cool. Um, Kai Griffin is, I just adore them. They're based out of the UK. Um, they're an intersex actor and um, plays uh a friend to Maddie's character um and then there's some blurred lines that come up that people can see in the film but mm -hmm. it was so important to me that that character had to be intersex um otherwise I wouldn't shoot the film mm. it was tough to find that role because not because intersex actors don't exist but again it becomes an issue with disclosure and casting um there's not a lot of publicly out intersect intersex actors that could play this teenage role right. and had to have like immediate swagger sex appeal. And like the character <laughs> of Jax, who's um, Lindy's friend and sort of mentor into the world mm -hmm. of joy and body acceptance and all that right. had to just be like hot and cool, like from the get go and Kai uh, put themselves on tape and I fell in love with them and yeah, we, we brought them over from the UK. So I was really excited to find Kai who 
um, you know, came from Instagram. Like I had resorted to posting, like, are you an intersex actor who can play this age range, please? <laughs> Lots Reach of inst- out. great stuff comes from Instagram, speaking from my own experience. <laughs> so crazy. much bad stuff, but so much, so much good bad stuff. stuff too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I like commented. So I like that you um discussed the intersex um connection because obviously in the community it's a debate as to what our condition should be classified as um i didn't think of it as being intersex initially um that i was never told that in a doctor's office or anything like that um but to describe it to my friends and people like if i ever had to talk about it i obviously as i got older i talked about it more with like people i know in real life um and I would usually say it's kind of like an intersex condition, but not exactly. I don't know. It, it, I think like using that term helps people understand a little bit better. But I don't know, because I've heard that intersex should inval- involve um, the like male and female like sex characteristic, like stuff like that. Um, so we have the, an absence, not like a, an additional thing, I guess. So but it's a debate. And um, I thought it was really to show the connection and like the solidarity there yeah and i i will say um when sort of initial publicity stuff came out um and seeing that i was casting an intersex actor i had a lot of very very angry messages from people with mrkh Mm. insinu sort of saying to me that i should go kill myself for insinuating that MRKH is an intersex condition. And I was like, hello. Wow. Um, first of all, there is the protagonist, and then there is their friend, the supporting character who is intersex. These are two different people. Yes, there is an interplay with where MRKH is on the spectrum that We're I never all kind conclude. of in our limbo. We're kind of in our own world, but yeah. I, I like yeah. that you ask those questions and you don't come to any conclusions. You just sort of I mean, because that's very real. Like we, we as people who have this, like do question and think about it. So, but we don't know, like, or we don't, ha- not all of us have come to that conclusion. So I, I thought that was really insightful. Um, yeah, I will that. say, um, you know, as you said, I don't answer anything conclusively. I ask the questions. It's not up to me to tell people if MRKH is intersex or not but I'm raising the questions for people to think about. As I understand intersex, it's any non-normative reproductive part. In that very basic definition, MRKH falls under that. Um, Look, if you have MRKH and you do not see yourself as intersex, absolutely fine. My issue is when people want to um, exclude people who are MRKH, H who are intersex as well, or non-binary, like this is a stigmatizing condition. And I don't understand why you would further stigmatize people who you share a lot of commonality with. And I think just like in terms of people, this is my personal opinion. As long as someone is not hurting you, let them be. And further to that, if you have MRKH and are staunchly, I'm not intersex, it's not intersex, someone saying they are intersex does not make you intersex. And I understand that there is a feeling of loss and that elements of your femininity or womanhood have been stripped from you. However, how someone else identifies does not further strip things from you. 
Yeah. Um, so that's all I'll say on that. Like just, um, pump the brakes. If you're intersex, great. If you don't identify as that great, I love you too. But like, we can all exist people. It's like mm-hmm. just culturally people are cling so deeply to, um, aspects of identity, religiously, politically, physically, uh, ideologically. And it's like, yes, these are important, but like, again, something that's explored in the film is that all of our identities are more on a gray scale. You know, it's, it's, it's very difficult to be any sort of person in the world and be staunchly this and staunchly not that like, it's all messier. Absolutely. Yeah. I really like the inclusion of jacks in the movie for sure both because yeah. i think it's it definitely makes you you know kind of think about these topics um in a more nuanced way relating to like gender and sex but also you know when we were watching um sophie said like oh, i really wish you know when i was diagnosed with this condition i had someone like jacks yeah life, <laughs> you know so me too I, it was an aspirational like Wow, I wish I had this person. So I'm glad you saw that too. Yeah, no, no, like it was so terrifying. But there's also like no, no one really who you can talk just because it's really it's it's rare. But it's also like there's probably a lot of people who don't, for obvious reasons, talk about it publicly. Um, So it's you're just completely alone in this like weird situation that like not many people can relate to it's really weird but um I'm I think like you're doing a real service to people by making this movie um I hope it was like therapeutic for you to make <laughs> I know it could be like traumatizing I don't know but um it, it, all, all, all of the all things of the like life it's painful it's incredible you know it's all a big mess but no it, it has been very healing and most importantly like the most healing part has been talking and meeting other people with it like you know Sophie we just met but like from the get-go it's like I know we we have a deep unspoken understanding of what it's like to be in our bodies and like that's like a special bond that now I've had so many more of those connections and that is the antidote to the isolation and shame it's meeting someone else with this Mm-hmm. and feeling so seen and understood without having to explain anything yeah yeah exactly that's so yeah I I have a feeling they'll be showing this this movie or recommending this movie um after diagnosis like I'm sure do- I hope that doctors and nurses will recommend <laughs> I mean I hope they have the I mean I, I don't know because like the, there's nothing to really like there's no advice to give except okay do your dilators like you know what I mean like if I I wish someone was like oh there's actually a movie about this it's hard to understand but this will help you kind of process it maybe and also it's a good movie to show like people who don't know what it is to like or or like if I yeah if I say like oh I have this condition yeah I know it's confusing but you can watch this movie yeah understand it better you know that's always yeah someone said that to me she said I am just so grateful that instead of exhausting myself explaining it to everyone I can just say okay just go watch this movie 
I will say though, I'm Mm -hmm. highly aware that this is just my experience. And like, I've been very adamant that like, this is not representative of all of it. You may have a very different experience. I am a white woman who had access to certain things in my life. I do not know what it's like to be a person of color going through this experience. That is an entirely nuanced, different Mm -hmm. narrative that deserves to be told I'm not the person to tell this story. I can tell this story. And I really hope that we see a lot more perspectives, not just about this, but, um, you know, any sort of underrepresented experience in the world, because it is not monolithic. And I, I, I just can't be responsible for yeah. I don't want to put that only- pressure on you or anything. Like no, that. no, not pressure. Like it's a good yeah. starting point, but like, I'm yeah. excited to see other takes on this. Yeah. you. I feel like you've inspired me to like do something with it. I don't know what, but I feel like it's something I should, I wrote my college essay about it. But <laughs> oh, nice. I, yeah. I need to do something more with it because I don't, yeah, I I hope it inspires a renaissance of um, MRKH-related art (laughs) content and stories and stuff like that. Um, That would be really cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been really, like, amazing and uh, And once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me, so. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really, really great movie. Um, And that's honestly... Sophie and I were like so happy when we saw it because we were like really looking forward to it we knew it was like oh it's about Sophie you know this condition Sophie has and then when it came out we watched it and it was good we we're like yes it's like it's actually <laughs> really great it's a really great movie too so it's like just a, a big yeah win. yeah know? I was a little I was nervous not because the my my nerves came from the fact like okay um wow, this, this is about something I have that's so yeah. super not talked about. Like, not only am I, I'm a little nervous and scared to like, see that like vi- visualized, you know, um, but yeah. also like um, for, for non MRKH havers to like, see it and like a little bit scary, like, like, okay, what will they think of us? And um, yeah. will we be like the subject of, um, like really disgusting like misogynistic you know hate which I mean that's that's gonna happen regardless I received plenty of that and it used to bother me but now I just laugh um I haters are gonna hate I don't know I'm not making this movie for the haters um but yeah like I totally understand your nerves about this and that's completely valid and I will say um you know like if you're maybe newer in the diagnosis process, like do take care um, with watching it and maybe you aren't ready to watch it and that's okay too. Great advice. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show. It's been a huge honor. Um, Everyone, if you're listening or watching, check out Fitting In um, on February 2nd. Um, It's being released and... um, I I'm under the assumption that it's in North America right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's in, uh, Canada and the U S. Um, I get a lot of messages about how to see it that I can't respond to. If you are in the U S follow blue Fox entertainment on Instagram, they will post all 
the theaters we'll, we'll and which link cities. That. We'll yeah. link that in the episode description and uh, put it on. Yeah. I'll put it on my story too. It's amazing. So yeah, Blue Fox in the U.S., Elevation in Canada. They will have all the screening info. Um, I'm an unreliable uh, person to send that info to. It's going to be, it's just a busy few weeks, but um, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Molly, Mary McGlynn. And yeah, I'm, I'm truly, again, so honored that you shared your um, MRKH through this conversation and Thank yeah, you. we. I have a new friend, and likewise, Yay. I hope. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, this has been VCs Network. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.